a listener production. Congratulations, Dylan Orcott. Mate, it's great to be back here with you on Listen Ava. We haven't recorded for a little while because I've been out of action. We banked a few up, but mm-hmm. obviously had the Australian Open. Thanks, but it's good to get the win. Seven time Grand Slam champion. Twelve time Grand Slam champion. What? I love that you call me. He's his own Wikipedia. <laughs> Dylan does the entries immediately. Because well, everyone's been introducing me as a seven time Australian Open, twelve time Grand Slam champion. Okay, so I got it wrong? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Welcome back into the seat. We have some amazing guests on the way, including this week's guest, which we'll get to very soon. But first, I just want to ask you a question. We'll relay a question that we had from an Instagram DM about your tennis from Celeste Smith. She said, big fan of the podcast. Thank you. I have a bowl of uncomfortable question for Dylan. Ooh, I like this. I don't think you'll find this uncomfortable. I haven't heard you cover it, but I feel confident enough, thanks to your podcast, to ask it. I've been watching him flat out through the Australian Open, always chucking it on wherever I can to watch his games. But what is it around his legs? Is that tape? And if so, why do you tape them? Around my leg. Oh, around my legs. Yeah, your knees, that kind Great of carbon question. fiber. Love that. So, yeah, you might say we've all got different wheelchairs. To, you know, you, you, they're personalized. So depending on budget, how much you've got, they're made out of different, you know, materials and, that, and things like that. Um, but my wheelchair is a carbon fiber mold of my body, the same way Daniel Ricardo has a carbon fiber mold of his F1 car. Because when you want to move, when you move the chair – you don't want to lose force. So you don't want to like slip around in your seat. So my, I sat in this like big thing of gel and I got a carbon fiber mold of my bum. And then rather than get strapped to it with like normal straps, I actually have a carbon fiber knee plate that then connects to the seat via a snowboard binding and that holds me in. So it's a carbon fiber wow. knee mold that th- helps me have like the o- optimum performance because of how tight it is. Not the most comfortable thing in the world because it's obviously so tight and, and that, but it's made out of carbon, really light. Uh, it took us about a year to develop back in 2015 and then I've just kind of got the same one going. But really good question. There you go. Thanks so much, Celeste. Thanks Love for listening. That. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone as well for getting us over a 1,000 ratings on Apple Podcasts alone. Amazing. That's not even Spotify or Google Chrome Podcasts. Yeah, we really appreciate also if you're loving the podcast to take a photo, share it on your social medias as well so so people can see that you're enjoying it because yeah. it really helps us. Maybe people would be interested in our next guest. And this is also pretty special for me because – I started my broadcasting career working with this person and it has been downhill ever since Oh God! because now I work with you. All right, mate. Right. So this person used to carry me when we were on the radio together at Triple J. I mean, now it's been hard for me, you know, having to back you up the whole time, I guess. Okay. Right. Just rolling in here three minutes before the show starts and leaving <laughs> actually before the show finishes sometimes. But, but, in, but in all seriousness, um, I've seen what this person does at work uh, firsthand, but also the, the advocacy work that she does and things like that, where she's a legend, a friend of mine, and about to be a friend of yours, Angus, and everybody listening as well. Some people might have guessed who it is, but let's let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Naz Campanella, and I'm the Disability Affairs Reporter at the ABC, and I am going to be putting huge checks into the post, post for both of you. Yes. <laughs> that was an amazing... <laughs> I was trying not to smile too much, but um, thank you both. I think it was uh, more of a (laughs) takedown of me than anything else, but I'm glad that you took some positives out of that. It wasn't much light for me. Well, yeah, what can I say? But, yeah, I used to read read news on Triple J for seven and a half years and um, 2020 was the year I left and, and moved on to, to a new challenge, a new chapter. Hey, Naz, we used to work together, right, and I remember one of the things that I struggled with growing up was there was no representation of people with disability in the media. I know you did too. I'm not going to lie. When I started working at Triple J and I covered breakfast, you also did the news, covered that week as well full-time. Two people on air together, it was pretty sick, wasn't it? It was pretty amazing. And I, I, you know, there's been nothing like it before and um, not not since um, the, the two of us kind of graced the airwaves together. And I think... I think that's what I loved the most about it. It was just two people with disability, but just two people mm. kicking ass. And I think that was what felt so good about it. The great thing about radio is it was just your voices. For people who are in the car, they might have no idea. And that's fine that you both have disabilities. 
Well, voices and sparkly personalities, oh, hopefully. Totally. You know, well, well, what can I say? Um, but, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I think when, when you're on radio, you step into that booth or, you, you know, roll into the booth and you it's just you, the microphone, and you kind of forget that there's an audience listening sometimes. Mm. I don't know about you, you guys, but I definitely did. And I, I always chose to kind of picture or imagine one person listening to my news bulletins. And number one, that kind of calmed the nerves a little bit. Hmm. and B, you could kind of get warm and and feel like this certain sense of energy about what you were doing. And I think hopefully it came across that you sounded a bit warm and friendly and endearing um, because you were picturing someone that you loved or cared about um, when you when you were reading news or doing whatever it is you're doing, you know. Straight out of the radio handbook, that's exactly what you should be doing, just picturing who is <laughs> the perfect person in your yeah. demographic and then relating that to a family or friend. Exactly. Very good. Yeah. Now, usually, uh, Naz, when we start this uh, podcast, we start at the beginning. We go back to your childhood. But if you don't mind, uh, while we're on the topic of Triple J News Reading, let's start there where people might have heard of you and the amazing process you go through for being a journalist. So I essentially used, uh, I guess, a system that included four audio streams and they were all built into the desk. So in the studio, I had a laptop which had screen reading software that had been loaded onto it. And it's kind of this robotic, Americanized kind of voice. And it scans everything on the screen and it reads it all out aloud into my headphones. And so essentially, I read the news by listening and then reading or repeating what I was hearing. And so that was coming into my ears, plus there was a clock telling you when to start and finish the news bulletins because they were pretty specifically, well, they were specifically timed. Um, There was also my voice coming through the microphone and then the little audio snippets that you play during a news bulletin. And apart from those four audio streams, which was a lot to kind of listen to and, and, you know, it was really hard to concentrate at times. I had my hand, one hand on the laptop in front of me kind of manoeuvring through the stories and then the other hand was on the studio panel and that would be the hand that I'd turn the microphone on and off, fade up and down, you know, work the buttons basically. And you were doing all of that at the same time. So I don't think we've mentioned yet, for people who don't know who you are, you are blind, fully blind yeah, or low vision? We haven't mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, so I'm blind. Yeah, so so I, I guess that's we, what makes it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's like, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty impressive. Four different sound cues, yeah. but you know, I could do that. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, low to no vision. <laughs> so we're going to give the people listening a little taste of what it's like in a second. But can I ask you this? News reader, all right, you're blind. You want to be a news reader. The key word there being read, being able to read, right? So a lot of people. I mean, when I first found out that you had a disability, I was shocked because of how bloody good you are at broadcasting. And I was like, how did she decide or when did she decide that news reading was going to be, I guess, your career, considering the fact that obviously it's uh, impossible for you to read without a screen reader or, or Braille? For me, reading has always been listening. And it's just, it is reading for me. It's just a different way of doing it. And so... Newsreaders, it's a title, but, you know, you can do that in a million different ways. And I think for me, I I always loved, you know, when I was a kid listening to radio, I loved the way people sounded. I loved their voices. Like I was that nerdy kid who used to get cassette players um, and like kind of record things and then record my voice and like, you know, put the song in between and like just pretend like I was hosting my own show at home and I'd make people listen and and all that kind of thing. So I grew up really wanting, I guess in a sense I grew up liking the sound of my own voice, which is really terrible um, to to admit. (laughs) But um, I think I, it's, it's the way I learned about the world around me by listening to people on radio. So I loved the fact that that was a job that I could potentially do in the future. And then news reading was just one of the many things I wanted to do when studying journalism at uni. And it was one of the many things that I wanted to do when I got into the ABC um, for my first job. And so I just mentioned it to someone there and um, I'd I'd been doing a lot of voice training. um, And there was just a few really brilliant tech people who said, you know, if this is something you really want to do, let's put our heads together, let's figure it out. And we did. And it took a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of playing around and and a lot of practice. And, you know, at first there was quite a few bumps in the road, but eventually we got there. And I think that's what 
all good innovations are about. It's about trial and error and testing and giving something a go because you're not going to know that it works unless you just get out there and do it. I think it's true. I think that title is simply words. I know Dylan says, oh, let's go for a walk and get coffee. You don't say let's go for a roll and get coffee. I mean, the vernacular doesn't change the purpose or or the product. The funniest part is when people go. Well, you know, if you were were jumping on a skateboard, Angus, you know, the two of you could roll together. together. It's just, it's, it's like when people say, did you see that? Or did you watch that show? Those words don't offend me personally they might they might be words that, that other blind people might not want you to use I don't mind because for me I did watch that show I listened it just, it's it's just the same thing for me I just just interacted with a program or, or whatever it might be in a different way to you let's put some uh, proof to the pudding as we've got your audio from a triple j bulletin you've done in the past you've sent it here so we're going to hear the four different types of um, sounds you're hearing during this piece of audio. I deliberately haven't listened to this myself because I, uh, I I didn't know which piece you'd sent us. Yeah. But we're going to hear the automatic American voice. Will we hear the countdown in this? What what else will we hear in the background? Just to try and focus. You'll hear a bit of everything. So you'll hear the the, the little beeps, um, which are essentially the clock counting you in. You'll hear the theme. You'll hear my voice, and you'll also hear Jaws, like the the little Americanized voice. It's called Jaws. Is the clock? High Court citizens and soccer qualifiers. G'day, Naz Campanella with Triple J News. Labour frontbencher Penny Wong has accused the Prime Minister of acting like a tin pot dictator over his threats to send opposition MPs to the High Court. So far, the MPs and senators with question marks over their citizenship status have asked Parliament to refer them to the High Court. But if the major parties can't agree on a new citizenship disclosure process, the government threatening to use its majority in Parliament to refer all possible dual citizenship cases. Senator Wong says it's a sign the government's government's under pressure. Uh, You should see Angus's face. That's he. He's (laughs) losing it. Just for people who are listening to that, so obviously that's a behind-the-scenes look. You don't hear when you listen to Triple J. And obviously obviously a very old bulletin because it's all about (laughs) dual citizenship (laughs) saga. It is true. But people, if that is obviously what you hear, not what people hear. They, of course, only hear your... And your enunciation of that is oh. so perfect. Yeah. That's what's in my headphones. Yeah. yeah. That, that's right. Um, well, you know, sometimes I did miss a beat and that's okay. Really, it's, you know, I uh, there were times where I would breathe a little too long between a sentence or I spent a bit too much time thinking about how to pronounce a particular word and then I'd lag behind and have to just, like, repeat a sentence or something. You know, and sometimes I'd get a bit annoyed with myself and frustrated and, of course, the text line would light up and call me all kinds of names and all that kind of thing. You know what? Mistakes happen. I'm human. I'm human like everyone else. And um, I guess the real test for me was that I just kept going and made the best of whatever the situation was, you know, presented to me. I mean, I had times where the desk literally just shut off and died. Hey, I had I've times got, Naz, where... You and I were on air together. I was doing Triple J Breakfast and what happens is for my studio's in charge for 57 minutes of the hour and for three minutes of the hour at the top, it's Naz's studio. So it transfers, right? Yeah. So if something happens to Naz's desk, I can't get back in until three minutes past nine, right? And you and I were doing news together, two minutes in... Your desk, your voice froze. Yeah. Right? And you're just like, hey, everyone, I am not getting the news in my ear. And you just got to kill time. Oh, I've done everything. I've awesome. sung. I, I sung. Yeah, it was once. Um, I literally, at 30 seconds to the end, once went, and now turning to sport. I'm really sorry. There is no sport. Yeah. The computer's just died. Don't you really hate that? And then just talked about how crap technology can be. Yeah, honestly, that's what happened with me. And I was it's like, just you what you do. It. I was so So impressed. Dylan can't even jump in at that moment no. to try and no. have a conversation about the technical issues. I know how it's set up within the windows of the technical aspect of radio between studios. So, yeah, you've just yeah. got to feel that moment. So when I came off the news, I was like, hey, Dylan, not going to hear. That was Naz's desk broke down 30 seconds ago. Naz, you're a legend, blah, blah, blah. Here is Run the Jewels and played a new song or yeah. whatever it was, which was, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, you're at the mercy of the tech so much, aren't you? I am because, obviously, if the tech 
you know, goes kaput for everyone else. They can just stretch over and they'll pull out, you know, a piece of paper that they've printed of their bulletin as they're running into the studio as a backup, which they never want to use, but at least they've got that backup there that's absolutely not going to fail them. But I don't have that. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got a backup computer, but if the desk completely dies, yeah. then Mike both, of those, both those backups are gone. There's nothing I can do about it. And I think, you know, the real testament of, of a... Um, a, a good newsreader is someone who is good under pressure and can can just fill that spot. So what I'm going to do is right, I've made a news bulletin. So I am the Jaws, the ro- the robot voice, right? So I'm going to play for you and I now, and everybody listening right now, a news bulletin that I made up that Angus is going to try and repeat like you do. He's going to take his headphones off right now and not listen to what I've made, and then he's going to have a first crack at it live. Okay. All right, so I'm going to take my I'm headphones intrigued. off. I'm going to take my <laughs> headphones off, which they are now off, so I can't hear you guys anymore. I'll just push myself back from the yeah. desk and the microphone, and this is what Dylan wants me to, to replicate. Here we go. Hang on, sorry. Hi, this is Angus O'Loughlin with a listenable news update. Wheelchair tennis superstar Dylan Orcott has taken his talents off court, being named last night the sexiest person alive. Dylan beat our previous winners, Brad Pitt, Ryan Gosling, and Shadow Noel to win the 2021 award. And Australian journalist Naz Campanella has made history becoming the first journalist with disability to win the Journalist of the Year Award at the 2021 Walkley Awards. In her speech, she paid homage to all the incredible people with disability out there doing great work to break down negative stigmas, in particular, the Listenable podcast. That's the news. Back to you. I don't know if you'll get past that first sentence, mate. Yes, no, oh, really? What do you reckon about my uh, I'm back, news bulletin? It's good bulletin, isn't it? Do you like the bulletin? Oh, look, look, Brill, let's just, yeah, you know. So, so I'll let's give it a shot it. in let's a go, second. Let's hope all those things come into fruition, by the way. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> Can I ask a question, though, Naz? Would you prefer a voice, like a real voice in your ear or Jaws? Like, w- would I want Dylan in my yeah. ear, basically? <laughs> Who saying. would not want Dylan in your ear? <laughs> okay. I guess you're so used to Jaws. All right, so I'm going to play a little theme song and then I'm going to do it. Once again, this is the first time I'm hearing the audio that you just heard and I'll try and replicate it with as small a delay as possible. Hi, this Hi. is Angus This is Angus O'Loughlin with the Listenable News Update. Wheelchair tennis superstar Dylan Orcott is taking his talents off court. Being named last night the sexiest person alive. Dylan beat our previous Dylan beat our previous Ryan Gosling to win Shannon Knoll Award to win an award. And Australian journalist Naz Campanella has made history becoming the first with disability at the 2021 Walkley Awards. A Walkley Award. In her speech, she paid homage to all the incredible people with People with doing great work to break down negative stigmas. Yeah. In particular, the Listenable podcast. The podcast. That's the news. That's the news. Back to you. Back to you. Not bad start. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's just critique that. There were some oh, yes. gr- serious grammatical errors. Okay. You didn't remain composed in that first sentence. It was extremely serious news content there. <laughs> yes. And, oh. and th- there were missing words all over the shop. Well, but I, I think not- you did a great job for your first time. Thank you. Well, the problem was once I lost it, my brain's trying to catch up. So yeah. I was just playing catch-ups and then all of a sudden there's a Walkley Award and I'm thinking, no, I've got to say something about journalism before this. Yeah. So that was a problem. And that's the thing. Your brain is constantly working and you cannot switch off for a single second no. in that three minutes. And so just imagine that there's other stuff coming in like, you know, suddenly someone drops a story that you didn't know was going to be in there because there's breaking news in the middle yeah. of the bulletin. You've got to then just do it without the audience knowing that you're thinking about, oh, what the hell is this story? It's just come in. I've just got to read it and I've got to sound like I know what I'm talking about and, you know, that you're composed and you're ready to go. Now, as if you fall behind on a bulletin, if you, like Angus did, do you just scrap it and regroup at a point or do you try and catch up? Does yeah, can you hit sense? spacebar and stop it and try and catch up and then spacebar again or something to keep it going? Or Yeah, so the, you use the arrow keys, the up and down arrow, to basically go through the lines, like oh. the different lines of the story. So I can sometimes go back and forth depending on where you are in the sentence. If you're kind of in the beginning, then, yes, you absolutely can do that at the end. Uh, sorry, the beginning or the middle. But if you're at the end, it's hard to, like, click back up. You've got yeah. to listen to the whole sentence. So, you know, you, you might hear me slow down a bit so I can – 
listen to that sentence and linger on it a bit longer. So there's all these different strategies. I've been in there when you've done the, the full one, like it's three minutes. I reckon the scariest part is you're doing the bulletin and then the jaws goes 10, 9, and, and like counts you down to finish. And if now it's still going, it's like, and right across the triple 10, you because it's so hard. Yeah. Most people are reading the clock. Because remember, and, and you get shocked. You get like, that three minute window. Yeah. So you don't have any other time past that before it switches over to Dylan's desk. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's a great it's, skill. Yeah. And we should also just reiterate uh, I only had one component of the four that you get during that, which is. Um, Obviously, you get countdown, the countdown, yeah. you get the uh, grabs. Yeah, the countdown, the grabs. And you're pushing buttons. Yeah. You're yeah. pushing the grabs, which is, I reckon, And I only did 45 seconds or 37 seconds of a three-minute bulletin that you would have to do. I would have been four news well, stories behind. You would have lost your job. I would have, I wouldn't, yeah, I would have been kicked <laughs> out. Um, when you look at TV news presenters on Channel 10, Sandra Sully's, et cetera, uh, The Project, um, you, they always have pieces of paper in front of them. Now, those pieces of paper are backup scripts of what the teleprompter is saying. So if the teleprompter goes down, they can look at the piece of paper in front of them and continue. Uh, you chose not to learn Braille, I believe. Is that true? Yeah, well, I didn't choose. Yeah. So I have a it's secondary a story, condition. Huh? Yeah, yeah I, have, I have a secondary condition called Charcot-Marie Tooth or CMT, and it's basically a muscle condition. It's degenerative and it essentially means, it's neurological, so it essentially means that over time, my the muscles in my arms, legs, hands, and feet waste away, and it, it affects my balance and it affects my sensitivity. So I actually can't feel the braille dots on the page. So I was learning braille. I learned braille, you know, from the age of three or four. Yeah. But and I was always really fast at writing, and then you know, obviously, you know, I was a pretty smart kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to reading, I struggled like it was awful, and I struggled for years and years and had awful teachers kind of pushing me and and telling my parents I was lazy and they just needed to, you know, I needed to try harder and all that kind of thing. And then it wasn't until I was taken to a neurologist where they actually diagnosed me with this condition. And so Braille was no longer an option. And we discovered that when I was kind of nine or 10. And so that was really sad because I'd lost, you know, at the time I think my parents felt like I'd lost a lot of time and was falling behind because of an undiagnosed condition. But then to get that diagnosis meant that, well, we know why now and we can start to find other options. And that's when I discovered audiobooks and, and JAWS, that you know, the screen reading software, and it really changed my life. And that new upgrade, the JAWS as well, which is my voice. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, you and I need to work on that. We need to go and talk to some manufacturers. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make a lot of cash. Um, but, and I think, look, my my CMT affects me in other ways as well. It's not just Braille, obviously. Um, sensitivity in my hands and feet. So, you know, in winter, it's a nightmare for me because my feet, because of a lack of blood circulation, get really cold. Oh. And so uh, I'll, you know, turn the shower on. It's obviously hot. The, the floor heats up. Um, you'll put your foot on there and I, it will take my feet a little bit longer to register that that's hot. Or when I go to touch the mm. kettle, um, it takes my hand a little longer to register that that's oh. hot. And that can be quite dangerous. Too late. Um, yeah, same, yeah. As me. same as me when yeah. I get in the shower. I burn my yeah. I'm like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty hot on my knee. And then I put my finger on it. It's like. Third degrees. Yeah. It takes yeah. a second to go, yeah. And, and then there are other times where you go to have like a blood test or something and for me it's like, oh, yeah, just do it in my arm. Oh, you know, you don't even notice. So for that stuff, it's all right. Yeah, and, cons. <laughs> yeah. and what about for writing? Can you write? If you had a piece of paper in your hand and a pen, could you write a sentence? Oh, my husband and I always laugh about this. So I, I have memorised the alphabet and some numbers um, but I often forget, like, the J and the P get me every time. I just always forget them. So I'm always like, oh, babe, how do we write that again? Um, so, look, I, I don't usually. I mean, I I know kind of enough to I feel a bit confident kind of signing my name, you know, for documents and stuff. Um, it's a bit of a wonky N and a wonky, you know, C. Um, but, but, look, I don't do it often, or not often enough. But I know what the letters and numbers look like. Which leads us perfectly into my next question, which was around your signature, apart from being a mega famous radio presenter on Triple J and everyone just wanting to get your signature because you're a big fame bot. Uh, you know, you've got your uh, a credit card, the back of that signature to, to verify documents. Have you ever had any problems with that? Have, do you use DocuSign? What, what happens in your life when it comes to your signature? I just sign. I, I know enough um, to sign myself um, or... You know, I'm, I, I sometimes get my husband um, to sign with me with permission, you know, with the two of us uh, sitting there together, that kind of thing. But no, normally I just sign myself. Okay. Um, and I've got like a signature guide as well. Like it's like a little 
kind of like a little card and there's a little space cut out of the middle and you can put it over the spot oh. when you sign and, and you sign like that. It's kind of like a little guide. I'd be so lazy if I was you. Mine would be three circles. Well, I have thought of like creating a little stamp for myself yeah. and just going, Whoop, and then I realised how problematic that could be. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's copying right. it. Uh, to go back to Triple J, and you, you mentioned um, sometimes people were quite critical of your news reading if something went wrong with Jaws or one of your bulletins and the text line would come through. Dylan has told me some of the wonderful messages he's received on that text line over time. Um, did you want to hear that feedback? How did you know that those texts were coming through? And, and uh, how did you first face those first early day criticisms? I know that when you put yourself out there and you, you know, are in the public eye, you're not going to get everyone loving you. It's just the reality of it. And um, the reality is also that, you know, I obviously have, um, you know, certain views and, and like everyone has certain views and you might put them out there and not everyone will agree with you and that's okay. Um, I, I guess for me I've always been very aware of that and I haven't let people get me down, even from the very beginning. Obviously it was a little heartbreaking to, to have some of that stuff come through. But you take it with a grain of salt and you keep it in perspective and and you grow from it. You go, yeah, you know what, you're right, that wasn't my greatest bulletin or that wasn't my greatest story, but I'm going to learn from that and I'm just going to move on and I'm not going to let that stuff get me down. Um, it just, I think it just is part and parcel with with having a job that's, you know, in the public eye. It just is what it is. Yeah, there's plenty of dickheads out there that you can't control. Yeah, and, but, uh, but, for every, but for every dickhead there's also, correct. you know, a thousand amazing people. And I think, you know, you kind of need to sometimes, it's really hard, um, but I just have chosen to be on the positive side of things whenever I can. And, you know, you surround yourself with brilliant friends and family who are always there for you no matter what. And it's in times like that where you see your, your true kind of, family and, and mates because they're always there for you no matter what. Speaking of those legends that do give you positive rough of affirmation for the work you do and stuff, have you had people come up to you IRL in real life who were on Triple J Fan or an ABC uh, news uh, listener or watcher and had no idea you were blind? I think most people, if they've come up to me, they, they already know, but there have been loads of people who have sent an email saying, you know, we've been listening to you for years, just for some reason heard a story or something, seen something that you've written and have found out. And awesome. yeah, I think it, it for, for most of them, they've said it's changed their perception. And I, I, you know, I just like to be seen as the person that's out there just doing a good job. I mean, yeah. it's, but, but then I also see that, yes, I'm doing it in a different way that hasn't been done before. You know, news reading at Triple J in the way I did it, had never been done in the world before. And that's something to be incredibly proud of. And it wasn't easy to do. It took a lot of practice and hard work and I'm really proud of it. And so, no, I'm not just going to pretend that, you know, I was just any ordinary newsreader who just walked in. I'm an ordinary newsreader, but I, but I was doing it in a really unique way. And, and that's something to, to be proud of. Your first bulletins on air at the ABC or Triple J, did you mention that you were blind or was there a period of time before that kind of the cat was out of the bag? No, look, when I, I started reading bulletins on Triple J, I just did it because I was there. It was my job. I loved it and I was ready and raring to go. And then a little while after we, we decided to write a piece about it and we, and we did and obviously, you know, things kind of exploded from there. And But I really, when I started out, I mean, I was just, an employee, like You're the right else. person and for the job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do, have you always been disability proud, Naz, or did you struggle a bit when you were younger? Because you are right now, which I love, but was it a journey for you or something that was innate? I definitely struggled when I was younger. I never used my white cane, so I've had a cane forever, but I've never really used it. For me, I felt like it made me stand out. I felt like it got all this unwarranted attention and you know when you're a kid kids can be horrible and they some people used to say you know really nasty things not a lot I have to say um but but some people would and I felt like I was different I, I did feel like people treated me differently so um it took a really long time I think really when I was kind of in mid to late high school where I was really starting to think about what I wanted in life 
and realizing that I could do more than just kind of going from home to school and, and, you know, getting, you know, taking my friend's arm. I think really the first time I started to think that I wanted to be, you know, using my cane and be independent was when I did some work experience in year 10 and it was at Clio magazine. Hey. And I went off with my best friend at the time. We got the train. I lived, grew up in Western Sydney. So it was probably a 50 minute train trip from the city. Got on the train and um, went into the city, went into this amazing magazine and got to hang out in the fashion cup and do all these different things. And I realised, I was like, I wish my best friend wasn't here. Like she doesn't even like this magazine. She doesn't care about it, mm. doesn't want to be in the industry. Like I wanted to hang out and like touch all the beautiful clothes and do all cool things and she just wasn't interested. She was, I felt like she was just coming along for the ride. And I realised then, like, oh, if I used my cane, I could do this on my own. And I think that was the moment when I went, yeah, like, I'm going to do all these different things. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to get a great job, you know, make my own money, get my own place, move out on my own, do all these amazing things that everyone else is doing. And I think it was a real turning point for me. And I realised then that just embrace the disability because it's part of who you are. It's not who I am. But it's a significant part of who I am and I I love it and it's who I am. And to be honest, a lot of people ask me whether I'd change, you know, if there was some miracle cure or one operation or whatever it might be to fix my sight. I'm not interested. It's all I've ever known. And I, I'm really happy with who I am and the life I lead and that's enough for me. Good on you, Naz. Beautiful words. Also, don't want you to panic too much or everyone listening, but you're talking to two Cleo Batra of the Year alums right here. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, Naz, I've written down here, congratulations, Dylan, for not mentioning his Cleo Batra nomination, but you then he well. just went and ruined it. Yeah. He went and ruined it. Oh, very funny. Oh, uh, Dylan. You, you can't, can't, ever, can't ever, you know. Um, life life you, highlight. You, you'll always put it in there, Dylan. Bloody oath. He didn't win. He did <laughs> I didn't win. I lost to a guy I've never heard of. Him. Patient he, is good enough. I lost to a GWS footy player who I don't think is on a list anymore. <laughs> hey, Naz, congrats on your, on your role at the ABC, so the National Disability uh, Affairs Reporter. That's That's awesome. So... Was that, a, was that a role that's ever been actually out there and people with disability haven't had it before or are you the first to, to have it? So we haven't had this particular role. I mean, the ABC has always been really supportive of um, the, the disability community. We had Ramp Up many years ago, which was run by the fabulous late Stella Young. And, uh, you know, that was incredible. And then obviously um, that, that came to an end. And then this particular role, I think for me really I wanted to introduce a role at the ABC because for so long I'd seen people without disability writing about disability issues or about or about people with disability. And this is not just across the ABC, but, you know, all across the country, all different media outlets. And the way that disability had been portrayed for so long just really got under my skin. It was such a pity party. It was inspo porn to use that term, you know, coined by the late Still Young. And I just wanted to change it. And I thought, you know, the Disability Royal Commission was starting and there was going to be obviously a lot of really tough content to come out of that. And I wanted to make sure that people with lived experience were at the centre of all of that content. And, you know, I wanted to bring some new faces to the screen, some new voices to the airwaves that hadn't been heard or seen before. I mean, there's there's not no kind of people with disability um, on TV, um, you know, in, in a prominent kind of news reporter reading role. And so I really wanted to try and change that. So that's why I came up with the idea, pitched it, and I was really lucky that they just said yes straight away and, and we've, you know, done incredible things with it since. I love that. One thing that I've also noticed as well is there's just more news stories about disability getting broadcast because of you, right? So I always found in the past, I'd listen to Triple J News and or whatever news I was listening to, and sometimes there wasn't as many disability stories because the person reporting it might not have a disability, they might not think it was, you know, newsworthy as much. Did you find that having someone at the coalface internally like yourself actually promotes other journalists to talk about disability more as well? Look, I think it's twofold. I think we are at a point in society now where we're really focusing on diversity. And for a long time, I have felt like um, so many other, I guess, streams, I don't even know if that's the right yeah, word, but streams of diversity were were focused on. And so they should be. They are so important. And but I felt like disability was just being left behind and forgotten. And 
not enough was being done, whether it be in employment, in culture and society generally, and therefore not a lot of change was happening. And obviously we've had massive things like the NDIS being introduced and that's made a significant difference to so many people's lives. But with that, you know, it also means that people are out in the community more than ever before. They've got more opportunities than ever before and more kind of choice in what they participate in, what, you know, employment programs they take part in, what day programs, if they go to a day program at all, they want to take part in. And so I, I think we, we've reached this point where we really needed to make a shift. And I think society's really been, you know, supportive of that. Mm. But then there was also with, with me there, it was this wealth of, I guess, knowledge and access to case studies and contacts that perhaps wasn't there before. And I think because of my lived experience, I'm able to shine a light on issues that people hadn't thought about. You know, for example, did a very early on did a story about dating. Well, how many people without disability have never thought of people with disability as being dateable? Here I am making up all these words. Or for example, um, you know, doing a story about independent living for people with high support needs because so many people in the community have thought, oh, so you're in a wheelchair, you can't move from the neck down, you couldn't possibly live independently. You need to be, you know, in the family home. Well, no, that's not true. There are there are initiatives and programs and funding to make sure that you can live independently. And so for me, it's about shining a light on all of these things because the reality is, is that we can talk about wanting to change attitudes and all of those sorts of things and putting in these programs. But if you don't make everyone aware that we are people first and foremost, like everyone else, and, and change that part of the attitude, you're not going to change anything else. And that is how, I guess, the, the reason why I wanted to do it. Next. One of your statements was out of my playbook also about the, I say exactly the same thing. There's all these other streams of diversity and they're all very important. However, it is heartbreaking when you hear politicians, people say they go LGBTQI, gender, race, all religion, and then they just stop. Well, and Rachel. I think what's really important is to remember that people with disability are also Indigenous. Correct. People with disability are also It's the only one that affects all other streams. You're right. Yeah, and, and it, it you will find intersectionalities across our community, and I think that's what's so amazing about this job is that I get to shine a light on those and I get to find people that have never spoken to the media before, either because they just have been too afraid or they haven't been approached or didn't think they could, or because they're nonverbal and mm. a journalist couldn't, you know, be bothered to work with them and their speech therapist to make it happen. Of course, it's it's me at the forefront and, and making all this happen, but really it would be nothing without the incredible people who, you know, say, yeah, I, I want to talk to you. Yes, I have a story to tell. I'm simply there providing the platform and the support that those people need to do that. And it's really the most special feeling in the world. I, I used to say my dream job was Triple J. I mean, I landed that job when I was well, 25 or 24 and it was my dream job and it, it was amazing for seven and a half years. But toward the end of the seven and a half years, I was looking for something else. And I had been an advocate for so long and I wanted to bring together both of those streams of journalism and advocacy and I kind of can't believe that that it's kind of culminated in this particular role, but I love it and it's all-consuming and exhausting. Mm. And um, I'm so grateful that my job means that I'm providing perspective for so many people, mm. lessons for so many people, but also just hope that things are changing and that people can see themselves Love you that. know, for the first time in a role that they might not have thought of themselves in before. And as I've got some uh, questions just about personal life, um, being blind, if that's okay, then if I can shoot them at you. We've had people who are on blind uh, before, Steph Agnew, Ben Pettingle. Uh, but can I get some questions that I forgot to ask those people in the moment? Rapid fire. Ooh, let's go. Okay. I'm um, nervous. Sweaty palms. <laughs> how do you choose your clothes when you shop? I have an image in my mind of what colour is and, you know, all the different colours. Oh no idea if the blue I imagine is actually the blue that you guys yeah. see. Wow, could be like brown, yeah. Yeah, but I definitely have a perception of colour. Um, and as you grow up, you learn about what bits of your body you think are nice and, <laughs> and those are the things you kind of want to show off a bit. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Um, and so, so um, there's that. But also I think I tend to remember, like, if someone says to me, oh, that red colour looks really good on you. So I'll remember, like, if I'm trying something on in the shop, oh. what colours does this particular thing come in? And if it comes in a red, I might buy it in a red because someone says, you know, it looks really good with my dark hair. I also really love, like, beautiful textured fabrics as well. So lots of lace, a bit of, you know, sequin and mm. things that are light and structured and stuff like that. Um so, sorry, that was a longer answer. That's great. I've never no, anticipated, no, no, no. but I'm a bit, bit of a fashion fashion theme. So, yeah, um, and, you know, I, I read lots of fashion blogs as well um, and I'm on Instagram as well, which is obviously a picture-based platform, but I follow a lot of designers and just if I can, designers need to start describing their clothes a bit more um, so that I can, you know, know what I want to buy. But, yeah, so that's how I do it. So when you say um, that labels need to, uh, you know, describe what their clothes are more, we're talking about something that we love mentioning on this podcast, which is alt text. So for a designer, they might post up a photo of a blue dress and go, now in stock, hurry. And you're like, what's in stock? Because you can't see. What's in stock? What colour? What style? What fabric? Mm. um, What are you pairing it with? And Dylan does not like alt text because he never does it. I'm obviously very pro you, you never do it. And it also means that I often just go, you know what? I could like your photo on Instagram, mm. Dylan, but I'm not because mm. you didn't describe it. Oh, I, I know. I've got to get better. I mean, apart from being the disability advocate that you've been your whole yeah. life, I mean, we're now in a podcast that lives True. in this space. Can't be good at everything, but I'll get better. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Once again, did not win clear back to the award. But, <laughs> no, 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 I agree. It's, it's, but, it's, but if he had done the alt text, maybe, exactly. maybe more people would have And wrote it's very it. easy, and I'm going to get better. Um, Naz, yeah. Steph Agnew, who you know, and I know, uh, who's, <laughs> I think, episode five of this podcast, yeah, she bags me nonstop about it. And it's my, one of my New Year's resolutions. And for people who don't know what alt text is, uh, when you're on Instagram, there is an advanced settings option. And then on the picture, it says alt text, where you can describe this photo is of Naz, Dylan and Angus yep. doing an episode of Listenable in the studio. But, but you also, for example, describe, you know, Naz is, uh, yep. you know, where, yeah. yeah, and, you know, brown, dark brown hair up in a ponytail, um, you know, Dylan's a white male, I don't know the rest, but yeah. <laughs> oh. white male, um, you know, that, that just little details. It's well, like, I do, we should mention the Listenable podcast Instagram has alt text on every photo, and I do like to describe myself to our uh, low vision or uh, blind community as incredibly good looking. You, do you know that? He does secret little alt text messages. Like, he'll be like, yeah, Angus okay. is looking amazing and Dylan looks bad. <laughs> like, he does all, it's really good. But he I could that. be more descriptive, he absolutely, can. just going off that. <laughs> Hey, now, you you don't use a guide dog, is that correct? I don't. I had a a test dog when I was 21 and it was this beautiful dog that I got for three weeks because I was considering getting a guide dog. And so he was not fit to be a guide dog, but he was a um, pet therapy dog. So um, came to my house, had him for three weeks, and I just felt at the time like I was – just a single mum at 21. Great for anyone who wants to be a single mum at that time. Wasn't what I wanted. You know, I was maybe coming home after a party, maybe not, um, you know, you know, just hanging out, going out with friends, had a really busy lifestyle and like any other 21-year-old and didn't want to come home and worry about dog food and poo and yeah. brushing and all of that stuff, all of the responsibility that came with having a dog. So I decided that wasn't the best for me at the time. I've been using a cane and it's great. But now that I'm older and I, you know, thinking about, you know, getting out the house for the backyard and all those sorts of things, I I also now really see the benefits. For example, a cane, you have direct contact with the ground. You feel and you can trust yourself as to where to put your feet because you have the cane that's telling you that information. A guide dog, for example, walks you right around obstacles. So you might not even know they're there. For example, I walk the same way to the bus stop to get to work every day and the cane might come in contact one day with a set of witch's hats, you know, that are telling me there's an obstacle in the way, walk around it. The dog will walk you directly around that. And all I will know is, oh, okay, there must have been something there because the dog's going a different way. Whereas, yeah, so it's a trust thing as well. I've sort of wondered whether I could actually trust a, a dog. I've, I didn't grow up with pets, um, so it was a bit of a, yeah, it, it'll become a bit of a, 
a challenge, I think, um, and not having that direct contact with the ground, especially when I have a lack of balance in my feet as well. Um, it's going to take a lot of getting used to, but I am really seriously considering getting one in the next couple of years. You said, uh, you said you're getting a house with a backyard. ABC paying pretty good by the looks of it, Naz. That's nice. Oh, God. Coming from you, Dylan. I like it. Yeah, what's oh, up? I, I you didn't, didn't say we're buying it. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if asked to describe your appearance, how would you answer? Oh, I've never thought of that. Uh, dark brown hair, pale skin, um, a pointy kind of nose, pear-shaped hips and um, not-so-small boobs. Right. Big <laughs> smile as well. Yeah, Gotta say. very infectious smile. That's <laughs> but it's when if I if you were to ask me, I mean, not that I'm sure from an aesthetic point of view, you care what I look like. But what would you like as a descriptor if you were to ask me? Like, what are some things you want to know? The color of my hair, yeah, maybe for my like your eyes. Husband, for example, do you ask him yes. all these questions when you start dating? No, no. I mean, it's it's really not important to me. Um, I guess what someone looks like in terms of how good looking they are. But like, like when I met my husband, for me, it was all about. He's incredibly intelligent and incredibly kind and warm and very funny and one of those genuinely interested people, interesting person, Mm -hmm. but also interested in other people. And that's, those are the things that I loved about him. And then obviously I don't even know how I found out that he has kind of, you know, dark brown hair and kind of pale skin and all that kind of thing. But for me, it's more about the, who the person is, yep. um, and I guess later on you find out what people look like. But in terms of like an alt text description, yeah, I think things like hair colour, um, skin colour, eye colour, um, what they're wearing, mm. um, you know, yeah, do they have kind of, you know, pear-shaped hips or, you yeah. know. Body, I, type, I don't know. body figure, yeah, full I of guess. figure, stuff like that, muscly. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. But not as a not as a kind of not as a judgmental kind of thing. Just as a curiosity, it's probably things that you notice about a person. Yeah, yeah. But it might be also yeah. interesting, and I'm only guessing uh, as somebody who's able-bodied. But it might be interesting to attribute a voice to a certain per- type of person described that way. Like, oh, I really didn't think that your voice would match how you're now being described to me, which is. I, I always find that interesting when you know, for Dylan, for example, someone thought he was a a guy so, with dreadlocks who was black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess for me, I've never never thought of it like that. Mm. We have a bowl of uncomfortable, and as this is where somebody sends us on our social media or they can email us directly through our listenable podcast at outlook.com and ask us a question that they want us to forward on to you, whether it can be anonymously or, or with their name attached to it. Um, sometimes these can be, you know, quite tricky questions. This is a question I'm actually not sure what answer this person is looking for, but they knew that you were going to be in the podcast. And this person, Mike, has said, are there certain views you enjoy the most? Do you enjoy a light of sunset or do you picture your own landscape and enjoy things more than others? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I That answer is quite simple for me, actually. Um, the beach, because oh. I can enjoy it in so many other ways. Obviously, it's the sand under your feet. It's the sand of the ocean. It's the saltiness of the ocean on your skin. And it's the way the beach, I guess, makes me feel. It, it's freeing. I can lie there and listen to an audio book on the towel while someone else, you know, you know, while, while a friend's lying next to me or I can hop into the ocean and have a friend nearby. I, I don't go into the ocean on my own, but I have a friend nearby that I can be there on my own, not holding someone's arm or, and it's mm. quite freeing and relaxing and I find it quite a meditative experience and I think, you know, generally I, I wouldn't go to the beach unless it's a sunny day. So you also feel the sun on, on your skin. And I guess for me, I can imagine what that looks like. And it's all those beautiful colours in one. And I think it's more about how it makes me feel. But, yeah, that, that's kind of a landscape that I find is my happy happy place. Great question. You can have the beach, Naz, not for me. I'll, ha- I'll take a nice concrete <laughs> yeah, landscape. I've heard I'm you say that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We couldn't have hoped for greater answers, greater learnings, and to just get a look and insight into your work life. What an incredible, difficult um, process that you've learned. It's amazing. Yeah, now, so if people, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do so? But also, I just want to ask, what's next for you? Like, you're obviously the disability affairs reporter now. Do you just want to be the 
lead political reporter one day and just, you know, normalise <laughs> your disability in a sense or are you, are you happy with where you're at? Who knows? I, I'm an open book at the moment. I think I've just taken on this role. It, it hasn't even been a year since I've been doing it and I'm just so thrilled with all the things that I'm doing at the moment and the opportunity that this role presents, really. It's, you know, I've basically been given a blank canvas and I can, you know, make whatever I want on this canvas and I, I find that so liberating and it's a huge privilege to have this role and I'm not going to take it for granted for one moment. So this is it for now. Um, and it's, you know, I'd, I'd love to write a book in the future and there's a few other little sort of, you know, mini projects. Um, but at the moment, this is it. And I'm so happy and grateful that I get to do this. And you're extremely busy. As you said, you're covering the uh, Royal Commission into mistreatment people with disability. And you even said before you came on, there was a familiar name, on the Royal Commission the other day, and you said he was a better advocate than me. Is that right? Who was it? Oh, look, I have to tell you, your brother Zach is doing quite a good job, and I think, you know, you might you might have to do some a bit of catching up. Gee, um, I heard he was good. Flying, flying a very, very good flag for the community, I have to say. Gave you quite a good shout-out. Okay, I'll take that. I mean, you can always count on, count on him to be a publicity person. Yeah, the amount of people that said, God, your brother's good, and they're like, he's almost better than you. I was like, shit, I better. <laughs> well, he, I better. Works, he works with you at the, at the foundation. He, he, yeah, we, he's a disability consultant, access consultant, he cares about the community. So just want to get in there. Shout-out yeah. to you, Zach. Shout-out to you, Stacker, baby. Um, and also, uh, let's. Th- we've referenced this a couple of times, and we need to get this uh, company to listen. Uh, Audible. You have got a great advocate, ambassador, oh. endorsement waiting with Naz Campanella. Don't go to Celeste Barber. Oh. Don't do this. You've got right here a woman who has mentioned just off the cuff, you live and breathe audiobooks. Of course you yeah, do. You're the, the spoke. You're the person. Give her the cash. You're the ambassador. <laughs> I, I will definitely be putting some, um, some cash in the post for the both of you. You've no. just, you know, given me the biggest um, publicity push on here. It's been we amazing. Thank no, you so much. You're a bloody legend. Thank, Thank you for coming both. on. Thank you both for having me. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Huge thanks to Naz uh, and just, wow. It was so cool to actually participate in that. Yeah. As a radio guy myself, I thought I'd be much better than that. Oh, Obviously, it, it takes learning and time. but Proper so, hard. Yeah. Because once you're okay for the first bit and then once you lose it, there's no coming back. Like, but, you don't catch up. And only certain people have the skill and the ability to hear something in your head and relay it seconds later. Yeah. You know why I know that? Because Gretel Colleen, when they had the blackout episode of Big Brother, all the electrics went out on the yeah. Big Brother live Sunday show. And the producer would relay her script into her uh, ears. And she, and she didn't know at the time that she had the ability to do it. And she would relay it immediately back. And then afterwards, everyone was like, that was so incredible. And it was discovered that only a certain amount of people had that ability. Wow. Cool fact. Greta Kalina Naz. Love that. We Next do week, appreciate. we've actually got Greta. No, we don't. No, we don't have Greta Kalina. Uh, we do have this guest, though. My name is Spencer West. I was born with a genetic disease called sacralogenesis, which caused the muscles in my legs not to work. So then at the age of five, uh, my legs were removed just below my pelvis. So I, I navigate the world on my hands and then in a wheelchair. Your amputations are like probably, I'm going to be up front with you, the highest I've ever seen. So they're pretty much right. Is it under your bum or have you lost part of your bum as well? Where is it? I would say just, just like under my bum. This one comes through as, of course, a recommendation from you. So keep them coming in. Listenable podcast at Outlook.com or find us on Instagram. Search Listenable Podcast as we try and get to our goal of 10,000 followers. Yeah, and keep sharing your stuff on social media. We see it, we appreciate it, and we love you. Listenable was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull. Listener.